0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest
1: stories. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to this post-draft Monday. My name's Sam Ekstrom, the host of the show, covering the Vikings for zonecoverage.com. Find me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, and numerous draft pieces on the website. Well, the dust is sort of settling, but I'm glad we waited till afternoon to record this one because it's been a really busy Monday, mostly cornerback related news coming out, which is interesting because cornerback is, that's really the position under scrutiny right now after the first round pick of Mike Hughes. So to put it in context a little bit more, the Vikings sign a first round pick Mike Hughes, 30th from Central Florida. They extend Trey Wayne's the fifth year option worth just over $9 million next year. Now, there are some reports or tweets from people saying, well, this means the Vikings have locked up Waynes. They're giving him $9 million. No, it gives them the right to pay him $9 million and retain him for an additional year. It's not guaranteed except for injury. So if Waynes play deteriorates, the Vikings could still part ways if they wanted to. If Wayne's play improves, then that fifth year looks really good. $9 million, fair price to pay for a starting caliber corner. And it enables the Vikings to push their decision-making back a year. They've already got Bar, Hunter, and Diggs to worry about. They don't have to worry about Wayne's now. So that's a good move, and I think a pretty academic move for the Vikings to make on that fifth-year option. So Wayne's extended Terrence Newman resigned. We saw this one coming. We also projected this to be the case and it comes to fruition. We don't have the terms yet. I'm guessing it's around two, three million dollars for Terrence Newman to play his age 40 season provided he makes the roster and assuming D'Angelo Hall stays retired. He's a free agent right now. That means that Terrence Newman is the active interception leader in the NFL with 42 picks since he started in the league in 2003, five picks with the Vikings in his three seasons. He's only missed one game in three years with Minnesota. So with Newman back, the Vikings are deep at corner, but it also means that Mike Hughes probably doesn't have a great chance to be an impact defensive player this year. Special teams, sure. But on defense, he'll have to go through Newman. He'll have to go through Mac Alexander just to get on the field. And with injury, who knows what might happen. The Vikings are in a good spot there. And they've been uncannily healthy at cornerback. Trey Waynes, very healthy. Xavier Rhodes, perpetually nicked up but never out. And Terrence Newman, the consummate, in shape professional, just never gets hurt. Always the same, week to week. Model of consistency. And that's a big reason why they'd bring him back. But I think another big reason has got to be the mentorship aspect. They use Terrence Newman to bring Mac Alexander along, teach him how to watch film, teach him how to be a pro, and they're going to want the same for Mike Hughes, who may or may not have some character concerns, I talked to Mike Hughes, junior college coach on Friday. His name is Jeff Sims from Garden City Community College in western Kansas. They call themselves the Bronc Busters. And Sims actually has Minnesota ties. He coached at Masabi Range up in the north country in Virginia, Minnesota. And he was the offensive coordinator at Minnesota State Mankato. So he's familiar with Minnesota football. And he paints the picture of a humble, athletic, explosive, effortless athlete who was the perfect teammate, the perfect community college football player, never had to be disciplined, who earned himself a second chance in D1 and turned it into first-round status. Here's Jeff Sims on Mike Hughes. And Mike came here, and he did single thing right mike was a tremendous dude who we never had to punish we never had to deal with he worked his tail off and he was a part of a group of players that decided that you know what this is my opportunity i'm gonna do the right things i'm gonna get right we're gonna hold each other accountable and they went on and they won the national championship it's easy to buy in When you hear from his former coach and we do need to consider that now two consecutive years, there's not a knock on Mike Hughes and maybe the issues that he encountered at UNC are behind him. Maybe they were a wake up call, a lesson learned for Mike Hughes. I asked him about how he's different now than he was in 2015 at his introductory presser. And he said he's surrounded himself with people that are pushing to make him great, including his mother, who's been a big inspiration for him. And I think being under the umbrella of an NFL team, at least early on, can be enough to keep a guy in line. It's when you get a little more notoriety that it becomes a little tougher. You develop, I think, that professional arrogance, that ego, where you don't necessarily have to tiptoe around worried that you might not make it. Once you've made it, then You have to continue to make good decisions so you stay in that spot. But if Dalvin Cook is any example, he's been a model citizen for the last year, and he had some concerns. Vikings will be looking to get the same type of season out of Mike Hughes' behavior rise. That's the first-round pick. We got a whole rest of the draft class to discuss right now.
0: masterclass or at least your time at home masterclass.com slash P E R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdown slash offers that's lockdownpodcastcom slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to lockdown podcast network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social
1: distancing here on lockdown Vikings. Let's just characterize the draft as a whole. And, and I'll give the names of the other seven players. Brian O'Neill, offensive tackle Pittsburgh. Jalen Holmes, defensive lineman Ohio State, fourth round. Tyler Conklin, tight end Central Michigan, fifth round. Daniel Carlson, kicker. Auburn, fifth round, a trade-up to get a kicker. Colby Gossett, guard. Appalachian State, sixth round. Ade Aruna, defensive end, Tulane, sixth round. And Devontae Downs, linebacker, California. So I thought the Vikings got into sort of box-checking mode on the third day. It was as predictable as it gets. The Vikings take a uh, tight end, fifth or sixth round, for the fourth consecutive year. They love those third-day tight ends. And Tyler Conklin is a good pass-catching option in the red zone, Basketball background, good box-out skills, good high-point skills. They get a linebacker in the seventh round for the seventh straight year. That's every year since Rick Spielman has been GM. Linebacker, seventh round. They've always loved the ACC. 14 ACC draft picks since Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer teamed up in 2014. Brian O'Neill, second round, ACC, Pittsburgh, tackle. Um, the trends mostly came true. I thought they fulfilled most of their needs in some way. Though they didn't address wide receiver and running back in the draft, they did, however, go heavy on those areas in undrafted free agency. That was also released today. Of the 17 undrafted free agents, four wide receivers, and three running backs, the one of them, Cameron Petway, might be a fullback, So they waited until a couple days after to really address those areas. I don't think those were necessarily top priorities for this team. But if you have some criticisms, it might be where the Vikings chose to fulfill those needs. For instance, you might have liked them to take a tight end more highly. Fifth round, Tyler Conklin. Is he going to be a game changer? Probably not. I mean, I see him playing 20 snaps a game right away, probably is a second or third tight end, maybe he takes a little bit, takes a few of the reps from David Morgan, perhaps, but I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player. They wanted a guard all draft, they wanted a starter at guard, and they take the tackle high, they take the guard late. Colby Gossett, sixth round Appalachian State, well, he's going to have to compete with Danny Isadora, Tom Compton, Josh Andrews, the the acquisition from the Philly practice squad, that there's competition for interior line spots all over the place. So I don't think Gossett is guaranteed anything. And I'm not sure that Brian O'Neill is guaranteed a starting spot either. It tells you probably that the Vikings are going to move Mike Remmers inside, which has been seemingly the plan for a while. But then who do you play a tackle? Can you trust the rookie Brian O'Neill? Last time the Vikings had a rookie right tackle, it was TJ Clemmings, 2015, didn't work out. Do you want Rashad Hill as your starting tackle all year? I thought he got exposed at times last season. O'Neal, another guy with a basketball background, and it is it is eerily like TJ Clemmings, folks, and he's not the same player, but there are some surface-level similarities that might freak you out. They both went to Pittsburgh, both played basketball in their past, And they both didn't convert to offensive line until, like, sophomore year of college. And they started really late. And O'Neill had to radically transform his body basically over one summer when the team approached him about switching to tackle because they had need there. So he did. He added, like, 30 pounds in a couple months. And then he added on about 15 more over the course of time. He's up around 300 now, but he's an athletic tackle. He's not a big, bulky bruiser. He can move. But is he strong enough? Is he going to need a year just to to gain the NFL-level strength is the question. I would have liked to see the guard go earlier. But again, the Vikings weren't really in position to necessarily take who they wanted to when you're picking so late in the rounds. You're picking 30th, you're picking 62nd. Unless you wanted to part with a lot of your picks and and trade up, which I don't think Rick Spielman wanted to do. The Vikings sort of had to let things fall to them in this draft. That's the negative of having a good record and having a late draft pick. But I think that's also got to be taken into account when you look at next year's success of this draft class. Your team was already good, 13-3. Depth in a lot of areas, even offensive line. There's depth there. Now, it's not necessarily strong depth. It's not starters that are competing against starters to the point where you could, you know, trade a guy and get a first round pick back. No, it's not that kind of depth, but serviceable bodies, at least on the defensive line, they might not get anything from Ade Aruna if he makes the team. Jalen Holmes might just be a rotational piece, the fourth round pick. Last year's fourth round pick, Jaleel Johnson, he was just a a a seldomly used player on that defensive line when you're a strong team you don't have a lot of needs like really you don't have a lot of pressing needs you're just looking for depth so guy like Jalen Holmes he might be Brian Robison's heir apparent Robison might be in his swan song if he makes the roster at all and The two are very similar, both taken fourth round, both taken with the 102nd pick. Both are defensive ends that have the capability to move inside. Jalen Holmes might be the solution at three technique, that third down pass rusher, someone who can spell Sheldon Richardson. But is he going to be a star year one? Probably not. In fact, you might get the most regular contributions of this entire class from your kicker. Daniel Carlson. Now, I don't love the pick because here's what it does. It it pigeonholes the Vikings, I think, into cutting forbath and basically rolling the dice with the rookie. Now, this is what they did in 2012. Signed Walsh, cut Longwell. Walsh was the guy and he was brilliant his rookie year. Deteriorated after that, but brilliant his rookie year. 10 of 10 from 50 and beyond. That being said, the Vikings can't afford to have a training camp competition, I, I don't think, between your fifth round pick and the veteran. Because, let's be honest, the veteran could win the competition. If you're looking at it objectively, the veteran, Forbath, he might do to Carlson what he did to Marshall Kane last year. Marshall Kane was the big leg, the young kicker. I thought he was going to make the team. And Forbath made a couple more kicks than Kane did in the preseason. And that was that. Forbath won the job. But when you have a fifth round investment in that kicker, I'm not sure the team wants to invite that kind of scrutiny by even having a competition. I think you probably cut Forbath before any of that takes place. And then what if that young kicker gets the yips? What if he just, what if he struggles with the 33 yard extra point? He's never had to deal with that after taking 198. 20-yard extra points in college. Carlson has a very Blair Walsh-like resume. Struggled as a freshman. Improved and excelled sophomore, junior year. And then dipped as a senior. Walsh dropped off the face of the earth his senior year. Carlson went down to around 74%. But Carlson was good from distance in his career. 13 of 21. With a long of 56. And he said that he could kick 75-yard field goals at altitude and 65-yarders pretty regularly in practice. I think it's going to be fun to watch him work. I just don't like that the Vikings are probably putting all their faith in this rookie. I would have rather seen a fair contest between Forbath and another Marshall Kane type, someone with high upside, Without much invested in them. He got a lot on Carlson now. Fifth round pick. That could have been used on a wide receiver. A running back. Another guard. And even though Rick Spielman said he thinks there's going to be a competition. I'd be surprised if there was a competition. And honestly out of respect for Forbath. I think the team might just cut him. And allow him a chance to latch on with somebody else. If I were to project... Which players make this team? I would say it's going to be Hughes, O'Neill, Holmes, Conklin, Carlson, Downs. I think the seventh rounder makes it because the Vikings are pretty shallow at linebacker. They also brought on an intriguing player, Hercules Mata'afa from Washington State. Undersized defensive tackle in college. Going to move to linebacker. See if he can do it at the NFL level. Great motor evidently. Haven't watched a lot of Hercules' amount tape, but great competitor, great motor. Vikings are taking a flyer on him because they need linebackers. Kentrell Brothers suspended four games. Emmanuel Lemur gone. That's why I think Devontae Downs has a chance to make this team as a seventh-round pick. He's coming off a knee injury. That could set him back. It's his second major knee injury in his career. Had one in high school as well. But behind Barn and Kendricks, the Vikings don't have a whole lot at linebacker, and they need some help. I think Colby Gossett and Ade Aruna, the sixth-round picks, I think they could be ones on the bubble just because of the numbers game. Like I mentioned, Gossett's got to compete with a whole bunch of other interior linemen. So if he gets beat out by Isidora, Compton, Andrews, then you try to sneak him onto the practice squad. And the same goes with Aruna. I think Aruna's got a little better chance. The fringe players he's competing with are a little less established, I would say. Like Tayshawn Bauer hasn't done much in the league. Ifade Odenabo, unproven. Even Steven Weatherly, the 30-year guy, has shown flashes. But I'm not sure the team is beyond parting with a dude like Weatherly either. So there are younger pieces that I think Aruna could beat out. Gossett, I think, is going to have a little more trouble, but... I think if all things are equal, a rookie who you've got on the cheap for four years, I think takes precedent over someone on a one-year deal or maybe the third of a four-year deal on their rookie contract because you want to have that long-term flexibility and the ability to watch that player develop, which means that Gossett could have an edge in that sense since he's got that cheap four-year contract. And that's how this team is going to have to develop the roster, cheap draft deals. Is it, an, is it an inspiring class? Certainly not. Could it be a contributing class? I think so. Hughes, Conklin, Holmes, I think they could all play snaps. Like if you think of, think of the type of impact Blake Bell had last year, that could be Tyler Conklin. Think of the impact Shamar Steffen had last year, that could be Jalen Holmes. There will be times and places where this draft pet. Draft class gets called upon. The pundits might not like it. There's not a lot of splash, not a lot of zing to it. But what did you expect? How many spots were there to really put someone in where they could be a star in their first year? It wasn't going to happen. Not with the 30th pick. Not with the 62nd pick. This is an adequate, functional draft class. And they'll be on the field in front of reporters for the first time on Friday, May 4th, for Vikings rookie We'll get Sage Rosenfeld's impressions tomorrow, we hope. And we'll have updates throughout the week on Locked On Vikings. Locked On Podcast Network. LockedOnVikings.com.
0: Hey, sports fans. My name's Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune in to Lockdown Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Lockdown Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.